John chapter 7. Jesus walked in Galilee. He couldn't walk where the Jewish leaders were because the Jews wanted to kill him. Isn't that amazing? When I read a statement like that, I'm always amazed that here the man who came from heaven to forgive us of our sins, the one who created everything, men hated and they wanted to kill him. And the reason they wanted to kill him is he convicted them of sin. But the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And his brethren suggested that he go. Go to Judea, that your disciples can see the works that you do. There's no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show them to the world. The disciples were saying, don't hide what you're doing. Go let everybody see them. And then imagine the next statement. His brothers did not believe in him. I just love to be reminded of that. Even his own brothers didn't believe who he was. And then Jesus said to them, my time has not come, but your time is already now. The world can't hate you, but me it hates, because I testified that the works thereof are evil. People don't want to be told that what they're doing is wrong. And frankly, I think that the church has forgotten their responsibility. You just don't hear many sermons preached on sin. And yet, you look around and all you see is sin. You see liars and murderers and people rioting and hate everywhere. And nobody talks about sin because it could offend someone. And we don't want to offend anyone. Well, he said, you go up to the feast. I'm not going. My time is not yet fully come. And when he said that to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when the brethren were gone up, then he went up also. <laughs> not openly, but in secret. He snuck in to the Feast of the Tabernacles because the Jews were trying to kill him. And they were saying, where is he? They were looking all around for him because they knew he was coming. And he knew. He knows everything. And there were murmurings among the people. Some said he's a good man and others said he is, uh, he's deceiving people. Howbeit, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. People were afraid. And so they didn't point him out or say anything about it. Now, in the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and he started teaching. And the Jews marveled. And look what they said about him. How could he know all this? He's never been to school. He never learned. And then Jesus answered, my doctrine is not mine, but he that sent me. Of course, they didn't know who sent him. 
If any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. It's really a funny thing. When you're in the will of God, you recognize error and you recognize truth. And remember what the will of God is? It's to let the Spirit of God be in control of your life. And when he's in control, he discerns error when you hear it. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true. And there's no unrighteousness in him. Didn't Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keep it. Why are you going to kill me? You believe in Moses. He gave you the law and you ignore it. The people answered, you have a devil. Who is going to kill you? Jesus answered and he said, I have done one work and you all marvel. Moses gave you counsel, not because it is of Moses, but of the Father and you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. You get on me for healing someone. Remember at the man by the pool? Jesus healed him, and he took his bed, and he got up and walked out of there. And everybody got on Jesus because it was the Sabbath. He goes on to say, if a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me? Because I made a man whole that that has been lame judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment and then said one of them to uh, then said some of them of Jerusalem is not this he whom they were trying to kill but he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him do the rulers know indeed that this is the Christ? Howbeit we know this man where he is, but when Christ comes, no man knoweth where he is. This man is not Christ. He might say he is, but when Christ comes, we're going to know it. And then Jesus cried in the temple. He said, you both know me, and you know where I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom you know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Then, when he said that, they sought to, to take him. But no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And I always love to remember that no one killed Jesus. He gave up his life because he is eternal life. And he could not be murdered, but he gave it up for you and me. He surrendered it to God on the cross. And it says many of the people believed on him and said, when Christ comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man has done? 
The Pharisees heard the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. There was somebody always after him. And I always like to remind people who are going through hard times. God's purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. And when you read these verses and you see how hard it was for him just to walk down the street to survive. And we complain when we have it hard. I've learned that the hard times that have come my way are times when God is conforming me to the image of his son. And if God is going to change me and make me better, then I can't do anything but thank him for it. Life is filled with pain, and I don't believe we can get away from the pain. But if we understand the purpose, we can endure it peacefully, peacefully, and even joyfully. And then Jesus said unto them, A little while, and I am with you. And then I go unto him that sent me. He's announcing to them. And really, you can't arrest me. I walk in and turn myself over to you at the right time. You will seek me and you will find me. And where I am, you cannot come. You can't arrest me, but I will give myself up to you. And then the Jews, <laughs> I love it, they said, well, where's he going that we can't find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, that he said, you will seek me and you won't find me, and where I go, you cannot come? What is he talking about? In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. He said loudly, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Remember, that's what he said to the woman at the well. If you knew who it was you were talking to, you would ask of me and I will give you living water. And Jesus is talking about the life that satisfies. I always go back to when I became a Christian, the day I received Christ, I was always thirsty. I didn't say that it was thirst, but I was always looking for something, waiting for the next event. Just restless for no reason. And it's because you have to find your rest in Him. It says, but this spoke He of the Spirit. You see, when you receive the Spirit of God into your life, it's like satisfying rivers of water that are always there. It says, when you receive the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, I'm sure all of you remember that on Pentecost, that was the day the Holy Spirit came. 
Jesus died, rose from the dead, spent 50 days on earth with his disciples, and then ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, 50 days later, that was the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to indwell believers. And I always like to impress upon all of us that if we're really Christians, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he is the third person of the Trinity. He's co-equal with the Father. And he lives inside of us. Why would we ever murmur or complain when God, the creator of the universe, resides inside of us? Now, many of the people, when they heard this, they said, well, this is a prophet. And others said, this is Christ. And some said, you think Christ is going to come out of Galilee? And really, that's what's going on today. There are people that believe and people say, oh, come on, you really don't believe that, do you? You're going to get involved in all those religious kooks that sit around reading their Bible all the time? And then verse 42 in chapter 7. Has not the scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. <laughs> when he lived, he divided. He's still doing that. There's still a division. And I think we see the divide getting wider and wider in our country. It's incredible. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid a hand on him. Just remember, he came to do the will of his father. And though it didn't seem that he was in control, he was. And no one could touch him without his permission. And then on Palm Sunday, I'm sorry, on Good Friday, he rode that donkey into Jerusalem and surrendered himself to that murderous mob and they put a crown of thorns on his head, gave him that heavy wooden cross, and made him walk through the streets of the, of the town to Golgotha, where he would hang on that cross and give up his life for you and me. Don't make light of that deed. That is an incredible gift that God has given to us, that we might never perish, but have eternal life. God bless you and thank you for listening.